Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, it's the Iowa Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Matt Harmon. I'm Liz Loza. This week, we're talking about a lot of fun things, like Cam Newton in Carolina. Is he done for the rest of the year? What about forever? It's Golden Tate time in New York with Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard out. But Matt, could there be another receiver who could uh, pop? I don't know, but I'll tell you what, Cream Hunt is not popping in Cleveland. Give me a break, people. I'll tell you what, are we popping a can of Byron Pringle now that Patrick Mahomes is back? I mean, it's going to be popping on Sunday night between the Vikings and Cowboys. It's the quarterback narrative bowl. Speaking of popping, there might be some popcorn being eaten because the Seahawks are at the 49ers, and that is going to be one heck of a show. We'll talk about all that and more as we pop the champagne to toast Chris Herndon's done 2019 season. Pop up. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Liz Loza here with Matt Harmon, Brett Raider, and a new guy. And (laughs) (laughs) we are doing a show. It is week 10. And I got to be honest, fam. This is when the fatigue starts to set in. This time last year, we were going to New Orleans, which feels like a lifetime ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. But we're not going to New Orleans this year. Instead, we are talking about Cam Newton being placed on IR and where he could potentially land next year. And, of course, what the fantasy implications are of Cam Newton's absence for the rest of the year. Take Uh, it away, Matt. All right. Well, uh, this is your quarterback. You wrote how many articles about him? Oh, just once that you referenced 45 times. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I think that for the fantasy implications of what it changes, it doesn't change anything. We know exactly what this looks like, right? Well, yeah, you, you disagree? I Keep talking, friend. So I think also in terms of where he is next year, I I have no idea. My my read on the situation is he's he's pretty affordable, you know, in terms of where he ranks among quarterback salaries. I think he's 14th in cap hit going into 2020 at just $21 million right now. I think his base salary is like 18. His base salary is 18 million. His cap hit is $21 million, which is about 14th among quarterbacks in 2020, like I said. So he's pretty affordable next year. And for me, it's the last year of his deal. I think the only thing that would probably create an impasse in terms of him returning would be if the if he wants to play on an extension and the Panthers don't want to give him one, which would make sense health-wise if you don't want to extend him to another massive quarterback contract. But I just have a tough time. Like, they, why would they outright release him, you because know? Because he's not healthy. Yeah. And they're not fully if they disclosing th- that. If they, think he, the if, they, if they think he is completely done, then I guess, 
you release him, but wouldn't you then try to trade him first and see if anybody bites on a very cheap quarterback contract? But I don't know what you trade. I mean, the health thing makes this a total unknown. Right. That's that's the thing. If he's just outright done, I mean, maybe he retires. I don't know. But if he's if he's a hundred percent healthy coming into next year, I think he's I think he's you know playing as a Carolina Panther next year. I think what's interesting, too, is that it was the shoulder injury that everybody... I mean, at the end of last year, I was writing all these articles about how we need to be worried about his shoulder heading into 2019. And in fact, it feels like it's the Liz Frank situation. And as one of the first rushing quarterbacks of the modern era, then... You know, that is a little bit we were also talking, you know, earlier offline about the fact that he's a different kind of rushing quarterback. He's not the hyper slippery, elusive type of um, quarterback, but more of a a power based runner. Yeah, I mean, and that's there's a durability concern there. It's totally different. But I'm with you. Like this could all just be a freak coincidence, right? Like the fact that he comes this whole offseason, he has the shoulder situation, like you said, and then it's the foot that's dogged him this entire time. Mm-hmm. That's what's not getting better, which Liz Frank injuries have ended people's careers. Co- like, well, at least ended people's seasons before. So it's not shocking that he's not going to play this year with that in mind. Like, And he gets, I mean, he get, they, they save him for so you know, many months. They are really careful of him in the offseason. And then he goes out on what is one drive in the preseason and he gets hurt. So, I mean, that could just be a freak accident. And then next year he's back and, and it's fine. You just, we just have no idea. So I almost think it's, be- I've, I think it's better for him to take as much time as he needs to get back to 100%. Oh, you mean not rushing players back from injury? You think that that might be a short-sighted thing to do? I think that's certainly wow. something that it I mean, that's why we're here with wow. that's why we're here with Cam Newton. Like that's why we're in this position in the first place. I think about um Andrew Luck too because he's yeah. of recent memory, right? Like just tired of being hurt all the time. So I know that you think he's going to stay in Carolina and you've outlined your points and they all make a lot of sense, but it's not fun. Right. Like I I put up a poll on Instagram and most people, Carl P23, Wilson dot Aaron, Shrimp ninety nine ninety nine one all think he's going to Chicago. Uh, I mean, everybody here thinks he's going to Chicago. Brett, this one's for you. Matt underscore Foster says Denver. We know that they'll dive on his fumbles for him. That one. Oh, uh, yeah. (laughs) Um and a few people say he's staying, but I think we'd like to have him in Denver. We already own him. I don't want so. him in Chicago. I'll be honest. No, thank you. Why? I mean, Chicago doesn't have a first round pick. Like, I think you've got to give up a first round pick to get a quarterback like this, considering what other players have and gone for in a trade. As uh, Charles Robinson mentioned on the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast, a dark horse candidate and a candidate who has multiple first round picks. They have multiple picks in damn near every round. Since is he- Miami, and if they with their win. Can't Last get weekend, Tua. can't get Tua, and they don't, and they don't know if they want to do the the thing over again for Trevor Lawrence. Why not start fresh with a boatload of picks and Cam Newton? That seems, I mean, that seems wild to me, considering just the idea of you tank to get to the point that you have the cheap quarterback that you can control yeah. for a few years. But I, I don't know. I, I think the situation's hard to read. My brain says it's smart for him, for all parties, to him, for him to return to Carolina next year. But there's definitely a lot of people that seem to be in the know that kind of see the writing on the wall that he won't be back next year. So we will see. You know, Matt, you have been saying since week one that it's been stash season. And I don't generally agree with that, though. I think we've had quite a civil <laughs> debate about it. Yeah. Week 10 is usually when I like to get my cuff on. 
And given the Cam Newton news, I feel like now is the time now to grab Reggie Bonifant, who was one of our early pickups on Sunday still, because nobody apparently listened to us, owned in just 3% of Yahoo leagues. The upcoming schedule for the Panthers running backs is amazing. At Green Bay versus Atlanta, at New Orleans, nuts tough, versus Washington at Atlanta again. I just have to believe. So we know, what what have we seen with Kyle under Kyle Allen under center? Curtis Samuel, ton of deep looks, fifth most in the league. Sure. Is that resulting in week-to-week production? No. Nah. DJ Moore, pretty reliable, but still averaging about five catches and 67 yards per week since week three. Had his when... first 100-yard game of the season last week. Sure. And Greg Olson. Oh, dang. You know I'm trying to peach pick and bob for apples. Greg <laughs> Olson has not had a top 12 fantasy finish since week three when the Panthers played who? The Arizona Cardinals. And then is that a good matchup? Yes, it the is. The best. So we know that CMC is going to continue to be fed. I worry about the durability. I've worried about the durability all dang year. So if you have CMC, now that you're in the back half of the season, why not ensure him? No, I think that's smart. I mean, all of these, like Gus Edwards, all of these top running backs, Tony Pollard. Gus Edwards found the end zone last week. Gus Edwards did find the end zone that last week and plays the Bengals this week. So, like, he is the added benefit of if you pick up a stash right now, you actually might be able to play him this week because he does get at least a little bit of work. Um, but some of these other guys, you know, they're pure your Reggie Bona fans. They have no work uh, but Reggie Bonifant has experience as a wide receiver, mm-hmm. and he's a converted quarterback, so it's not like he couldn't work as a dual threat running back. Yeah, they just—I mean, I just don't think you'll ever see them take McCaffrey off the field. He's the until end. he gets hurt because they fed him too much. If he gets hurt, uh, then I think you'll obviously not see him on the field. But I don't—I just don't think at any point they've shown that they're going to take this guy off the field. And, and it makes sense—he's the entire—he is the the running back that is the engine of the offense. Um, and it's just good enough to make them an average team. Let's talk about Evan Ingram because he is out again. He's in a walking boot. Sterling Shepard, uh, there's serious consideration that the concussion that he suffered is going to force him yeah. to be placed on IR. So we know he's not going to play again. That means that Golden Tate becomes, in theory, the, well, of course, Saquon Barkley, but Golden Tate, in terms of the receiving core, becomes the biggest beneficiary from a volume standpoint. Um, they will be the Giants that is traveling very far. <laughs> to play the Jets. It's interesting because I think there's a little bit of a fantasy conversation here in that you talk about Golden Tate in the volume, sure, but also Brian Poole has been the best of the Jets cornerbacks. He left Atlanta and showed up. He's been pretty good, allowing, uh, I think, a passer rating of around 90 when targeted. So the matchup isn't the greatest. Is <laughs> this? Tough. Hold on. It's tough when you say, like, he's been the best of this group. He's allowing a passer rating of over 90. Well, he's been- been bad he's been fine yeah he's been fine so volume i mean i think you can probably put tate in that i'm not looking at my rankings but i'm gonna say like wide receiver 28 to 30 range low end wide receiver two high end flex yes yeah no No, i like tate i like tate um he's the only one you could really count on you don't love any darius slayton because last time i picked him he had two tubs no darius slayton like he's the guy who's going to get those streaky vertical looks he's really the only speed threat in the offense so yeah i mean he's the guy that you're considering against a really bad secondary here but i find this offense very tough to trust especially because daniel jones is he doesn't look like he's a bust or anything but you had a great victory lap meme on twitter what was i think it was yours Oh, Dave Gettleman trying to take the victory yeah. lap again. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm on a no memes reference on the podcast uh, rule now after we've had some flubs on that. 
<laughs> okay, Liz is looking at me um, like she does not care one bit. So I'll keep talking about <laughs> no, Daniel Jones. I suggested that. And then you were like, I'm going to double down. And now you are just like, thanks for referencing my meme. I think I'm being a generous co-host. And you're like, I'm not doing that anymore. Yes, so I'm over you're that. You're welcome. Bit. Yeah. Okay. It's good that we're on the same page. Anyway, Darius Layton, I think. I like him in DFS a mm-hmm. lot. Okay. Nice, cheap dart throw. I feel like of these receivers, Daniel Jones, yes, very streaky. Your meme that we are not referencing anymore, not I guess. Nope. Uh, <laughs> talked about the fact that Gettleman's Gorgeous. victory lap was very short-lived. But I do think if you look back, like Slayton and Jones have always had a decent amount of chemistry. I would say better than, I know chemistry and Daniel Jones is an interesting concept, but they have definitely been able to speak to one another on the field. Yeah, no doubt. And like I said, he's that unique threat in the offense that he actually gets downfield, whereas Tate and even Shepard, when he's healthy, are really not that guy. So Saquon Barkley is like a top three play this week, but a lot of people are thinking about Kareem Hunt because, oh my goodness, it's week 10 and he's back in Cleveland. Also a little weird that the safety, they like, you know, who went on that tweeting rampage gets cut, but Kareem Hunt, like, MBD. Yep. Is there a little duality there? Does anyone else notice that duality? Oh, it's, it's very much on the radar, but are we surprised? Are you surprised? No, it's, it's just, this is the way it is. Ugh, It's gross, right? I just, I just, I just think it's um, paradoxical. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. So Kareem Hunt is back from his suspension, hmm. and alive seeing him on a lot of fantasy sleeper lists. Hashtag football Twitter is in love with the return of Kareem Hunt, and I have to be honest, I don't know if I'm missing something because he is. I I do a lot of the sleepers at the company and uh for the website. And I don't have him on my list because I think that when you look at the Browns, what is the one thing that they are doing properly on the offensive side of the ball? And that is getting Nick Chubb going. When they get Nick Chubb going, how often have we said this? They have a better shot of winning. It's not like the passing game is excelling right now. So why would Freddie Kitchens or Todd Munkin, for that matter, mess with this backfield did you see Todd Monken today um, say something uh, about it was about Richard Higgins basically like, yeah, I mean, he's the guy that Baker really likes. It'd be really good to get him on the field. Like, it'd be great for both him and for us if, if we could get him on the field. And I'm like, Todd, you sound like a guy who uh, doesn't have a lot of say in things. I think that this was is my point on cover three. I said on cover three, I wanted to see Freddie Kitchens maybe just be a leader so he can work on these obvious disciplinary issues and let Todd Monken, who has proved himself in Tampa Bay, handle the playbook. Yeah, no, I think this I think almost it was it was like under talked about, you know, remember way back in the offseason when this was a situation that, that these two guys, you know, reportedly weren't getting along or whatever. Um, here's the exact quote. Todd Monken on Rashard Higgins. Obviously, he's a guy that Baker has real comfort in, and we have to get him more involved. We do, and have him be a factor in what we do. It has been frustrating, I'm sure, for him and for us. It's like, but yeah, dude, you're the offensive coordinator, right? Or are you actually not allowed to have a say in this sort of situation in terms of who's going out on the field, you know, an 11 personnel, which is just like, what are we doing here? You know, Antonio Callaway is not it. The guy is just total dust. The process on him is correct, but the result is not well factored. The fantasy process? Any of that. I mean, like, he he is the deeper threat, but he cannot convert. 
Like he just yeah, doesn't he, have good hands. And so now the process doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. By all, it's one of those things like on the outside, you have no idea, like, but you hear that his commitment level isn't great and like all that sort of stuff. And so that's just the human factor that is impossible to account for, for those of us on the outside. But for the team, you see this guy every day in practice, you know that Todd Monken's saying Richard Higgins is a guy who Baker's really comfortable with. That was Baker's guy at the end of last year. And now you've taken that security blanket away. And again, you're the offense. It just speaks to the overall, what I think is dysfunction and lack of, like you said, top-down leadership that's going on in Cleveland right now. And it does, it has seemed to make so much more sense. I mean, I think I said this in like one of the columns I wrote in like week three, like you have a ready-made offensive coordinator in-house. Let that guy call plays Freddie Kitchen while you Freddie Kitchens while you decide and get comfortable in this role as the head coach. And and none of that has seemed to happen. So to bring it back to the point on Kareem Hunt, how do you even integrate a presence like this into your offense? Because the take in fantasy years ago when he was an 11th round pick or whatever in the offseason was that, okay, when he comes back, they can have a committee situation with these two great running backs on a great offense. Well, the problem is the offense sucks. This team is bad. It's not a good offense. A quarterback is one of the worst in the NFL. You don't want a number two running back on this type of offense in fantasy football. Again, to your point, Liz, when the starting running back especially is the best player on the offense. I, I don't see any value in Kareem Hunt outside of a handcuff. I right am now. not messing with him. Nick Chubb is not 20 rushing attempts for three straight weeks, and he's gone over 90 total yards for three straight weeks. In weeks uh, six and eight, he had over 130 total yards. Freddie Kitchens did say, according to Mary Kay Cabot, that Hunt will definitely have a role, and I feel all these fantasy people are biting on that. But how many times? Freddie Kitchens doesn't even know what the hell's going on. Yeah, what's, right? like, what's, what, the, what, what's the role? Cheerleader on the side. <laughs> Kareem Hunt cheerleader? Yes. Because this is the funny thing about Kareem Hunt, too. Like, Remember back in the early days of his tenure with the Chiefs, the Chiefs would consistently take him off the field on passing downs because he wasn't a good pass protector. And, like, he could catch the ball, sure, but that's where he would lose snaps to guys like Charkandrick frickin' West, you know? like mm -hmm. To an excellent point. I mean, if Charkandrick West is subbing out for Kareem Hunt on, on passing downs, like, Nick Chubb is a good passing down back. He's not a great pass catcher. I think that's why people assume that he will have that role, but that's a tough sell to me. It's also interesting, and I'm reading. I'm reading the responses to that tweet that I read off about Todd Monk, and every Browns fan seems to have the same quibble with this coaching staff that I think you're kind of alluding to, which is that they say the coaches say this, they know what's wrong, they know how to fix it, and then they do the exact opposite on game day, and that is, again, it's just it speaks again to an organization that is over it in over its head. Nick Chubb to me a top ten running back this week facing the Bills, who have been exposed as of late. To me, Kareem Hunt is like outside of my top 40 on the week. So that's our take. Patrick Mahomes, yay, is returning from the knee injury. What does this mean for all of the other pieces of this receiving room? Like, are we going to start worrying about Byron Pringle again? I do think Sammy Watkins has an interesting matchup here. And moreover, the we talked a little bit about this on Sunday slash Monday show, Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy. Will this hurt Damian Williams a little bit? I, I don't tend to believe so. Also, I think it's worth mentioning that Jarrell Casey, the top run stopper for the Titans, and the Titans have had a really good run defense, is a bit banged up. So I think Damien Williams is going to have a better week than people are anticipating. I agree with you there. And honestly, this group, 
this running back group is interesting to me now again. I, I don't know that I'm really ready to go and like start every goofball wide receiver no. in the Chiefs group again because we just don't know. There's just not a lot of target predictability and reliability there outside of Tyreek Hill. And I mean, I don't even know. You can, I guess, extend it to Sammy Watkins, but really, I think it's Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey back to normal ceiling expectations with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's one of the most transformative players in the NFL. He makes everything around him better. I think the backfield is the interesting part of this because Damian Williams, obviously coming off a great game last week, we have said that they are looking for answers in the backfield. And now I think we just basically have to ask ourselves, is is this going to be a situation where Damian Williams gets healthy? Is that guy that people drafted him to be, you know, in like the second round of, of fantasy drafts this year, because it's one of those situations where I think people can end like if you ran the Damian Williams victory lap, you were completely right in the first half of the season. But there's a chance that you could be wrong in the second half of the year. I think that's fair. Officially, uh, Jarrell Casey, by the way, is going to be out. I think we're both high-ish on Damian Williams. I think if you are running, I, I think with Patrick Mahomes back and given the Casey injury, I am going to have to run with him and believe that what we talked about over the weekend uh, with maybe Williams not being at full health had to factor into his usage prior to now. And the fact that LaShawn McCoy, like, yes, is getting some of the run, but every time he fumbles, he gets punished, which is something that Andy Reid did not do to Kareem Hunt, for example. I And I just don't think that, I don't think McCoy's really got it anymore. So it's really just down to me about is Damian Williams healthy enough? If, is he at a point where... I could turn the backfield back over to him, and, and that's what we don't know yet. But if if that's the case, then I think he's going to end up being a potential season saver for people that if they picked him up held after people him. dropped him or if you held on to him this long. Let's start with two primetime games and then briefly hit on the rest of Sunday. So primetime games would be... Uh, island games, some people call them. Island games. Which one do you want to start with, Matt? Let's start. Let's go in uh, chronological order. So Sunday night to start, which is the Vikings at Dallas. Vikings at Dallas. This is the quarterback narrative bowl, Liz, because these two quarterbacks are, I think, Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins, the two guys who everyone wants to kind of write the book on whenever they like whenever they play. Everyone's got a Kirk Cousins hot take. Everyone needs to give like the state of the union on Kirk Cousins after every game that he has. When the truth is, and same thing with Dak Prescott in reality, like whenever he has a great game, the people who think Dak is great, they're out there to take their victory lap. The people who think he sucks when he has a bad game, like he's just a product of the system, they will remind you of it after the games are over. Same thing really with Kirk Cousins. I think these guys are exactly the same, but in reality, I think they're they're Two of the better players in a large middle class of the NFL where these quarterbacks just ping pong back and forth every game, like week to week, month to month. Cousins especially is a guy who's very streaky. But now this is a game where both of these guys are playing pretty good competition. And I think it really is interesting to see who ends up becoming you know, the one that gets the, like, the one that gets the better of this matchup. And both of their weapons are dealing with some injuries right now, mm-hmm. so that's worth monitoring. But I think this is just going to be a really fascinating game where people will have a lot of takes coming out of it. It's also, Do you have any going in? Yeah, the thing is, like, I think it's ab- it's about the running games here in this in this matchup because both of them are they're both teams that really want to establish the run. They want to uh, they they want that to be the focal point of the offense, and which one is able to capture that early lead and lean on their starting running back, I kind of think... Stack. 
you think Dak is the better? Absolutely. Do you think Dallas? Did you is see the, Demarcus Lawrence play? Yeah, last week. I know he's he's, he's come on. That's it. Do you think Dallas's defense is better than the Vikings' defense right now? In this moment, yes. And yeah. also, this game is at Dallas, mm-hmm. and the Vikings are a different team when they are not at home yep. when they're on the road. I am going to give the edge. I know that the competition wasn't a great was not a great measuring stick last week for Dallas, but in, in the, that, that being the Giants, but. Demarcus Lawrence looked fully healthy from that offseason surgery. I was buying in, and I think Kirk Cousins is going to get his self scrambled. Mm-hmm. I can totally see and that. And Adam Thielen is out. And that, as much as you and I both like Diggs, right, and think he is the maybe better talent, Kirk Cousins prefers Adam Thielen. And he's the, he's the layup receiver. He gets the easier targets, the easier routes out of the slot. Like, that's who he is. So you put pressure on him and you take away his binky. Yeah. To me, that gives Dak the edge. I think so, too. He's also behind the better offensive line. And overall, I, that's why I definitely think that Dallas is the sharp play here. Their players are are the sharper plays in fantasy. Like, if you're ranking, I think you would rank Elliott over Cook oh, going yeah. into this game. And I think it's just fa- – like, I think the Vikings can prove a lot if they take the, if they take down the Cowboys here. But the Cowboys, on the other hand, you know, they haven't played a good, a good team – or they haven't beat a good team yet – really this season outside of the Eagles, depending on what you want to think of them. So I think this is really, uh, this game will say a lot about the players coming out of it. Over-under is 48, by the way, with Dallas a three-point favorite. I take the under on that. On 48? Mm-hmm. Is I that think... because Thielen? I'm not disagreeing. I'm just trying to understand your process. I think it's a run-heavy game. It's going to be a slower-paced game, which will bleed out the clock, less offensive possessions. Um and the like both of the like for what we just said about the the Cowboys defense and I agree with you that they're the better unit right now. I think that both of these defenses are pretty good. Like good enough to flummox the both quarterbacks enough and Dak it's funny he leads the league in QBR right now but he does he does have a lot of mistakes on his ledger. Um it's been good that he's been able to kind of come back from those mistakes. I mean last week especially he has the interception right off the bat but then you wouldn't know it by the rest of the game. I, but I still think that that could end up being something that proves more catastrophic against a team like Minnesota. Zeke is also noticeably better than he was at the start of the year where he was shaking off rust from the holdout. Makes sense, right? Melvin Gordon, same thing. Starting yes. to heat up as well. All right. Now, what was the second team you wanted, the second matchup you want to talk about? Seahawks at 49ers, the NFC West showdown? Yeah, another game where I think that we'll have a lot of takes coming out of it. Going into it, I really want to see how the Seahawks match up against 49ers defense that has been one of the best in the league against the pass. They obviously have a ton of pass rushers that they can throw at you. They've been great at limiting the slot. Does that hold down Tyler Lockett as their interior receiver? Also, how much Josh Gordon and DK Metcalf are we going to get on the outside against a team that has Richard Sherman playing really well and, again, backed by a ferocious pass rush? Now, Kyler Murray, it's interesting to note, had a what a really good game, much better than his fantasy expectations. Guy had 17 points in the two games previous. Last Thursday? Last Thursday. And then he comes back and drops over 20 on this 49ers defense. Is Wilson, you know, kind of the superior version of Kyler Murray, able to replicate that same success? Well, he was the comp to Kyler Murray as Kyler Murray was coming out of college. Also, I think, you know, Quan Alexander, we talked about as we, we couldn't understand the pick from yeah. the 49ers 
side uh, him coming off of an ACL injury, and he is now hurt again, done for the year with a torn pectoral. Brutal. Uh, on IR. So that, I think, and we saw it show up in the Arizona game, his absence significantly downgrades the run defense. Um, and we know that the Seahawks are a team that want to run first. And so this, again, looks like a giant Chris Carson game. How about on the other side of the field with the 49ers offense? Um, number one, Emmanuel Sanders. Holy sh- He's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, made a big defense or made a big dif- difference for that 49ers offense. And the Seahawks secondary, their, their pass rush in general is bad. Like, I think mm-hmm. they can stop the run. I think they can limit Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, all those guys. But Jimmy G is getting his left and right tackle back as well as MVP. Oh, that is a very good point, Matt. As well as MVP Kyle Juszczyk, so can't discount that. But Jimmy G back under good protection, coming off his best game of the season against a team that doesn't defend the pass well. Also worth noting, they give up the fourth most receptions to slot receivers this year. And pretty much, if you look at the 49ers receivers, they've all taken turns as the slot guy. Obviously, we know Sanders has that skill set, although he proved pretty well outside in a, in a couple of the looks that we've seen so far. You also know that Debo Samuel has played a little bit inside. He's he's seen more targets out of the slot, like percentage-wise, than anybody on the team. And Dante Pettis has also played inside a little bit, too. So, this is really, I think, that the 49ers can take advantage of that matchup, and I think Garoppolo can have another. See, whereas I, I, th- I saw the um, other games being a little bit low, more low scoring, I could tell myself a story about how this game could actually get pretty high scoring. So would you consider Debo Samuel a, I know he's obviously in that glut of wide receivers. I think what makes him so interesting is the fact that he's been fed a few rushing attempts, five heading into last week. He also didn't fare poorly in that game against Arizona. It was just, a, a, you know, it, he didn't find the end zone or anything. He had one ugly drop that, yeah. you know, it happens. But his um, stat line was fine. He might he might be somebody's fantasy freebie on Sunday morning for Fantasy oh. Football Live. I took my Demarius Thomas pick off there. I yeah. didn't look at your picks. Well, I had Demarius Thomas originally, and I just Shocking. said, I just said I can't run this bit every week, so I'm going to change it up to Debo Samuel. So keep an eye on Debo Samuel as a potential flex, and where would you just give me give me a general place like wide receiver thirty five to forty. Yep. All right. Cool. 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 Which might you might need it during the bye weeks like this, you know? Yes. Might need that. A hundred percent. Ravens at Bengals. Um, the only team to have so far beat the Patriots versus a team that, that AJ has, Green does not want to suit up for. Has yet to win. Um, Ryan Finley, Liz, I'll um, I'll just let you go ahead now and deliver your um, advanced scouting report on Ryan Finley. I mean, I thought he was going to go to the Patriots. He's next gen Tom Brady. Why? Because that was the like rumor. <laughs> oh. This is not a very in-depth scouting report, Liz. I need you to tell me about his throwing motion. I didn't really watch him in the Senior Bowl. What did you think his pocket mo- movement looked like? A little creaky. A little creaky? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was a little concerned about the way he moved from his base. Wow. Damn. Can he? So he really can't throw off platform. Mm-mm. Well, that'll be a good fit behind a, an offensive line that can't pass protect. This, this sucks. I think the Bengals are going to get crushed. Um, everything about it looks that way i mean this is brutal you know what sucks though honestly it, what sucks is that mark andrews has only caught like two balls in back-to-back weeks and i do think you know his volume is low but he's seeing lots of like 
in theory, on the season, red zone looks. And so I'd love to see him score because the Bengals are giving up over 13 yards per target on, or 13 yards per reception on average. So we know they can be had via the air, just that nobody needs to do it. And this is a team that certainly isn't going to air out the ball because that is not the complexion of what they want to do. My thought in this game, you know, is to another pass catcher for Baltimore, Marquise Brown, who I said on last week's FFL is a big difference maker. Like, you might not show up in the stat sheet, but you saw him catch three of three for 48 yards on Stephon Gilmore, who's obviously one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. The The Ravens didn't need to do much in terms of throwing the ball downfield or anything like that, but there were a couple times, especially that crossing route that Marquise Brown had later in the game after catching a couple early passes, where he showed like that difference-making speed. He was on the field for less than 60% of the snaps, but I think this could be a game where Brown breaks big on low volume helps the Ravens build that early lead before they start putting it in Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards hands again and again and again crushing this awful run defense I would love to see it I think we are gonna see it okay that's my prediction I also have no hope for any of the Bengals receiver. People want to talk about Tyler Boyd and volume. No. Don't do it. Also, <laughs> no, again, this is it. something we talked about heading into last week in the game against the Patriots on FFL, which was that the Ravens now have a solid secondary. Yeah. With Jimmy Smith back, Marlon Humphrey has been amazing regardless. And Marcus Peters, even, you know, he does not necessarily behave. He likes to freelance, but he has been good enough. And it's not like I'm worried about Alex Erickson or even Auden Tate getting the best of I, any of these three DBs. I, I mean, at one point, I feel like last time these two teams matched up was like that was when we were targeting Baltimore secondary, but that was like when they were rolling out Brandon Carr as one of their main guys. Now he's like their fourth cornerback. Lions at Bears. Oh, my Bears. Uh, Must we? Let's just start with the Bears. Well, you were, by the way, like trolling me, like subtweeting me on Twitter. Me? Yeah, with your Trubisky. I mean, I know like enough Bears fans at this point that I could be taking a shot at every any one of you. Well, I felt attacked. Well... It was meant to be. I mean, look. My, it was meant to be. Meant to be period. It was meant to be. <laughs> I mean. It's, no lies detected. You were attacked, lady. Yeah. Look, I mean, what do you want me to do? The head coach has been tilting since he made the entire offseason about a missed kick. And um, they have the worst quarterback in the NFL. All these things are true. I sit next to um, I sit next to a Bears fan in the office, Jay Hart. He's a Bears fan? Bear, big Bears fan. I didn't know that. Uh, and he was. Lots of Bears fans here. Lot, they're like. Sports media sneak. This is what I'm saying. Sports media sneaky stocked with Bears fans because back at the NFL newsroom too, just Bears fans on Bears fans on Bears fans. I feel like this is why I talk about the goddamn Bears so much in my life because so many people I know are freaking Bears fans, and I was even a Bears fan back in uh, a lifelong Bears 2018, fan in 2018. Right? Yeah, that was the year I jumped off. Yeah, well, timing's always been great. <laughs> <laughs> you know something about me? It's that my timing's fantastic. So I, who was asking me, like, what's what's your favorite? Or what, what do you think is the best stat to evaluate quarterbacks? I'm like, well, it's, you know, it's a tough position, all that. But I think adjusted yards per attempt is the is the best one. And I, he's like, okay, well, who's number one in the league? Well, Patrick Mahomes. He's like, where does Mitchell Trubisky rank? He ranks 30 seconds. So sometimes, look, I love, you know, stats and what correlates year over year and all that. But sometimes the good old-fashioned uh, smell test is a good one for a, a data point. That, that would be As bad one. as Trubisky has been for the Bears, I do think – it has been not like a full blessing because obviously like a potent offense would be better. But at least now we know that David Montgomery's volume is less subject to Matt Nagy's whims, no pun intended, 
Um, Javon Wims really on your radar. Oh, man. I, I can still can't shake week one. Regardless, we know that Montgomery is going to be fed. He has a great schedule upcoming. I'm okay with it. He scored twice last week. Yeah, like he was his YPC wasn't that great. It's not great, but like 14, only 14 carries. That's that worries me a little bit. He's still evading five, three to five tackles a week. I mean, he he's got to good. just get just to get back to the line of scrimmage. <laughs> he's only twenty dollars in DFS this week, and I think he's a top ten, top twelve play. Top twelve, top ten is aggressive, but it's a good matchup. Lions suck on run defense. Is Mike obviously. Daniels coming back this week? That would be, mm, oh, of maybe. course, the Bears. If if Mike Daniels is coming back, then I'm going to downgrade. Montgomery a little bit, but he was ruled out for Daniels was ruled out for week nine against the Raiders. Um, from the Lions side of things, this is one of your favorite fantasy football conversations. Are you ready, Matt Strappin? Lots of people want to know about Ty Johnson because Why? uh because Trey Carson isn't available. Yeah. He's sidelined. So now people are like, yeah, it is Ty John. That what are they gonna do? Here's what they're gonna do. Paul Perkins, JD McKissick, who the hell knows? I don't, you guys, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time just because Ty Johnson, you, well, I know, um, I, I, I cannot, this is the cream hunt thing. Like, why are you going to chase this Ty Johnson nonsense? Seems ridiculous to me. I mean, Bo Scarborough signed to the practice squad. Maybe that's a better option. Fire. They, uh, they worked out Jay Ajayi decided to say, oh no, to those uh, creaky knees. So they're still looking for answers basically is the point. I don't know that we need to spend any time talking about Ty Johnson. Maybe you're desperate enough to do it. And if you are, God bless you. I'm sorry that your fantasy season is over. It's the Yahoo consensus RB31. Yes, six teams are on a bye and the position is slim. But I'm going to do a little would you, would you not. That's a new game, by the way. Just rolls off the tongue. (laughs) (laughs) No way that you could title it better. That's for sure. Tariq Cohen or Daryl Henderson or Ty Johnson. Oh, just kill me. (laughs) Which one do you want? Uh, I want you to kill me. That's what I said. Uh, you don't want me to do it because I might. So Tariq Cohen or Ty Johnson? Keep it slow, too. Um, I think... Uh, no, I don't have that kind of time. I guess I'd go with... I'd go with Cohen. Yeah. El, uh, El Gore. El, I think I'd rather start <laughs> Al Gore than Ty Johnson. <laughs> Just take my chances. Joe Mixon versus Baltimore. Uh, Joe Mixon right? and, and hate yourself for it. Kalen Balage. Or Ty Johnson. I mean, again, if you're you have in, to make a choice. Again, Matt. if you're in this position, your fantasy season's over. Okay, you don't need to pay attention to me. Bless anymore. you for not giving up, for continuing to try. Answer. <sighs> oh my uh, God, Ty Johnson uh, Ty, over Kalen Balaj. Yeah. Christ. In fact, let's go to that game now. Let's go to Dolphins at Colts. Oh, man. Hell yeah. All right. Let's you are do so it. ready for it. Jacoby Brissett practiced on Wednesday and Thursday, so it's looking optimistic that he's going to play. Yay, I still think this is a Marlon Matt game. You have a hot take about Zach Pascal as well. You just put it in your in our bold predictions. I predicted that Jack Doyle would find the end zone last week, and I like that, but I, and I was right about that, but I'm gonna pull back a little bit. You're gonna pull back? I mean, I'm not gonna bet on Jack Doyle finding the end zone two weeks in a row. I, like you got the gift. I think you can though. I mean, I think you can count on Jack Doyle again. He's seen a double digit target share every game since week two. And I think, I mean, not double digit targets, but like a percentage of the team yes. targets. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, you know, you're not getting 12 targets. Like, no, this gave me a look like, what the hell are you talking about? No, but like percentage of his team's targets, like that, which again, 
that's not great, but at the tight end position, it's well, something. Well, he's he's, his snap share is larger than Eric Ebron's, but Ebron is seeing more targets and running more routes. So this is the, this is the Fells-Aikens conversation at a different level that we were having a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I don't know. I think Jack Doyle's fine to, to test out against. I mean, again, what are you going to do at tight end? I think he's fine to test out against um, this Miami Dolphins team. But Zach Pascal, I really like. Obviously, we know that... T.Y. Hilton's not going to play in this game. Paris Campbell's probably not going to play in this game. Zach Pascal has played over 90% of the snaps two straight weeks. I really like him as I think he could find the end zone twice, get over 90 yards um, in this game because the secondary is really bad in Miami, much like everything. I just think this is going to be so much Marlon Mack that I don't feel like fair point. Need to pass but the ball Pascal around. has at least performed oh, on like low Pascal volume for yeah. for Jack Doyle. I mean, Pascal's the wide receiver one. He's going to see something, and there's no Xavier Howard. There's no Xavier Howard. So from the Dolphin side of things, we both like Preston Williams a lot. He was a fantasy damage pick. He is now on IR with a knee injury, I believe. Mark Walton suspended for four weeks for <laughs> breaking the substance rule. I don't. I don't P uh, substance substance of abuse. In the offseason, this was something that the this Dolphins... This is the offseason thing. This is something that do- the Dolphins... Because they weren't performance-enhancing. No. This Let's is, be th- real. This is something that the Dolphins knew was coming, and then they still traded Kenyon Drake anyways, because, you know, commitment to excellence. So this is the good point, though, because you had made the point about this being evaluation. Forget tanking season. This is evaluation season, and that's why Kalen Balaj was demoted and Mark Walton was elevated, that now that Mark Walton is serving the suspension, everybody's like, oh, Kalen Balaj is the guy. Why would you think that Kalen Balaj is the guy? Well, I don't what why wouldn't it be Miles Gaskin or whoever the hell is on this depth chart? Why aren't they just rolling out all of the options if it is, as they've shown us, it should be evaluation season? Do not F with mess with. Can I say that? Why do not mess with, with do not mess with Kalen Balage. There's just a little button I press and it meant it makes sense. But the, I don't the want people to think I said away. the full word, which oh, okay. I did because oh, I, cle- oh, I have cleaned well, he said it, it up. He said well, it. he can be in trouble. Who am I getting in trouble by? Who am I getting in trouble by? I don't know. <laughs> Redneck. <laughs> Whoa. Liz, the language, please. Clean it up. Children listen to this yeah. podcast. Maybe parents with the children in the car, they listen to the podcast. You never know. Give me your Kalen Balazs. I have, don't, 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 don't f*** Kalen Balazs. You said it. Don't do it. Don't do this to yourself. Like, you have, you're right. You have no idea. Even if this chucklehead is rolled out as the starter, he could be out of there by week or by series number two because they want to get a look at Gaskins or whatever. Also, by the way, like, just no. You don't want to, like, you look at what the great Mark Walton brought you. You know, you you loved that. Well, like, they brought in Balage when they were in in goal line situations. Yeah. You've, no, you just, <laughs> so that he would drop the ball and they wouldn't have to score. Exactly. Forget it. You don't want to mess with Balage. That guy's, ugh. I mean, who are all these people that want to play Kalen Balage? I don't know. Go go hashtag him on Twitter, you I'd social rather, media I'd rather, rave I'd rather maven. Be, and I'd rather be dead. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, two dead refs. I am not Twitter searching Kalen Balazs. Listen, I have a question. So while I was high on Jack Doyle last week, and I'm less high on him this week, I am, however, high on Mike Gusecki. I was going to ask you that well, question. Why were you going to ask me? I was going to ask you if you had to. I don't know. You you love all these disgusting Miami Dolphins players. You wanted to make sure we <laughs> talked about them on the podcast today. Okay, yeah. So Third place. if you had to start. Mike Gusecki or Devontae Parker? Who's the sexier Miami Dolphin here in Week 10, Liz? 
Mike Gusecki because his position, I mean, there are a million wide receiver threes that you can throw a dart at. $13 in Yahoo Daily Fantasy is Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker's been sneaky good week after week. Like, he has been producing on a regular basis, and people are just not thinking about it because he's not having the splash plays that Williams had or he's on an awful team. Okay. They're hashtag burnt by Devontae Parker. That, that. Too. That's but your I, thing. I'm trying to get your brain here, like Liz. I like Gusecki because there aren't as many options available. And he finally had a game. He had 95 yards last week. He's a 97th percentile spark athlete. This is the moment that stat heads have been waiting for. I want to throw a, a dart at him for sure. I, I absolutely have him projected for four catches, 51 yards, and a touchdown. I think that is absolutely conservative. And the Colts are being picked on. They've, in fact, been picked on by tight ends 13 times in the red area of the field. This is a gettable matchup. And who else is Ryan Fitzpatrick going to throw the ball to? I'm with you on Gasecki because this is also, you talk about this defense, their group that even last year, they've really funneled targets to the middle, middle of the, the field. field. Running backs, tight ends, yeah, funnel. <laughs> they really limited wide receiver production. So it's... Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Mike Gusecki, it's happening. He got Chris Herndon in year one under Adam Gase, and now here we are. Don't. Why you just got to burn it every week? Talk about <laughs> hashtag burnt. Just throw it up in my face every damn week. Look, 2020. That's his year. Cards at Bucks, Matt. <laughs> you want to talk about your boy, Chris Godwin? I think this game could be less than exciting for less exciting than people think it would be for fantasy purposes because one of the quarterbacks is Jameis Winston. The Cardinals defense might be this might be the only week that you want to stream the Arizona defense. I thought about it in in, in daily, daily fantasy, yeah. but the Ravens are the same price. They're thirteen dollars, so. by the way. The Ravens are thirteen dollars playing the Bengals. That's with Ryan Finley under center, but the the non pocket the pocket sloth. Of Ryan Finley, as you say. If you wanted to do something a little bit sneakier, maybe look at Arizona because you know that Jameis is going to throw the ball over a couple times. Did you also see Jameis's post-game press conference where he talked about oh, a yeah. glass of water, a glass being half, half full, full with water and then half full with air, so, so it's, it's always full. full. Boy, uh, take a deep breath of that air, drink some water, <laughs> and throw a clean game. Take a deep That was good. What? Usa. That, that was funny, Liz. Get your Ujai on. I laughed. Anything else about this game? Oh, yeah, Ronald you know Jones. what we have to talk about. Oh, your boy. Ronald Jones. I want to talk this about your, Ronald Jones. This that is, is your he's guy. a toxic lover. I am done. <laughs> I cannot keep up with the highs and lows that come with being in a relationship with Ronald Jones. But I have Bruce given Arians said he is the guy, Liz. He also said O.J. Howard was like an incredible athlete and he couldn't wait to get him involved. That's another one. No, it is a trap. Do not, do not at me about O.J. Howard at Arizona. I get that it looks good on paper, but there is no world in which Bruce Arians is interested in using his damn tight ends. For two weeks, we sat there waiting for him to do something with Cameron Brait, who had more touchdowns on the damn season than O.J. Howard, and nothing happened. I'm not doing it. If I get hashtag burnt, because Matt liked to bring it up this episode, if I get hashtag burnt because O.J. Howard finally goes off this week, I'm going to be okay with it. I think I'm going to start O.J. Howard. (laughs) Only because I still have him on like every... Team. How are your teams doing? Not good. Right. Because of that. Because you haven't moved him. Uh, I mean, move what, on. I mean, what? Okay. Who am I supposed to move him for? Mike Isicki. Ugh, all the sharp idiots that I play with already, they've been. Ha- they've Jacob been Hollister. Not available in my league, Liz. Not available in my league. 
probably is available in my so league. So talk about Ronald Jones. Talk about him. I don't actually Talk about him. how he's scored the that's first. That's your guy. Well, I but I have given him back. Good. Then let's we move have. on. Don't. Here's the deal with Ronald Jones. He's going to get about 15 carries. He's going to get about maybe 70 yards. Mm-hmm. Maybe he scores a touchdown. Maybe. maybe he doesn't. And then, But he's not going to catch any passes. No, he sure so not. So he's not going to have any floor. Mm-mm. So it's not going to be fun for you starting him in fantasy. Don't do it. I know, but what about what about that powerhouse Kenyon Drake, that workhorse back who just needed to be given? He just needed to be fed to show what he could do. I mean, he went off last week against a really tough defense. Now, he now he's got another he defense, defense in, the in the league, right? <laughs> um, but David Johnson says he's a hundred percent, Matt. We've heard that story before. Hashtag Chase Edmonds. What about all these Kenyon Drake owners who spent all their fab and they feel like it's worth it? And now they're like, no, David Johnson's going to like tweak something or he's lying. He's not 100 percent or this is going to be a committee. What do you what is your take on this? Like, personally, I'm going to roll with David Johnson. I think Johnson's probably the guy. The thing the thing is, like, Johnson hasn't looked good as a runner in a long time at this point. He's been effective as a receiver. But in terms of like creating yards after contact. Well, that's better and, against the Bucks. Yeah, you know, for sure. And I think, I mean, you know, Bruce Arians back against the Cardinals. Is this a revenge game? No. I didn't think so, but I just, <laughs> I just thought of it. I had to say it. So I think with David Johnson, like, I think he'll probably be the favorite going forward to lead the team in targets, carries, yada, yada. But Kenyon Drake, I don't think, is going away. I don't think either one no, of these guys they're are gonna gonna, going to cannibalize yeah. each other. But David Johnson, I think, is the... 1A The thing is, if we have to. I agree. If you have to, and and we have to, we must for the people. And I think that if you look at it, I think this running game has been so good. That's the thing, right? Like this running game from a success rate and DVOA perspective has been Uh very, very good this year. Ah, I don't know. I think, I mean, I think both of these guys are, are playable as flex plays, but the health, the health. I think David John's probably an RB2. I guess on this. I, on this slate, but in like a normal way, I think they're both like, yeah, they're probably both both Johnson low end RB two, uh, Kenny Drake high end flex play. But it's a bad matchup, and again, I think this game goes under the fifty two total because I think both of these defenses are good. At, like, here's the interesting thing: I think. Tell me, what's the interesting thing, Matt? From a, a schematic perspective, we know what the Bucks like to do. They like to <laughs> dare you to throw on them. And everyone is cool with that. <laughs> and, then, and then they bl- they blitz at a higher rate than anyone else in the league. So they leave a lot of their secondary players on one-on-one coverage. They have to therefore play a lot of man coverage. That could lead to a pretty big game by Kyler Murray as a mobile quarterback. Or that Well, did blitz, we just see that, that yeah. in New England? Yeah, exactly. Yes. And it's a different type of rushing. I thought Murray was great last week against the 49ers. 49ers. Yeah, I thought he was great. And... Is this going to be a big game for someone like Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk against yes, some of these corners one. on one-on-one coverage? I don't think it's going to be a Fitz game. Well, it's not September, so of course it's not going to be a Fitz game. That is the point. Also, his number of targets have dwindled significantly. It's not I September, do think so this can't is move a anymore. this is a Kirk a smash spot for Kirk, who is also a great DFS value, and he would be my pick of the receivers. I've been waiting on Christian Kirk for what feels like a hundred years now. I mean, it's no Chris Herndon wait, but it is a wow. Way. <laughs> For reference, David Johnson is the Yahoo Consensus RB20, and Kenyon Drake is the Yahoo Consensus RB27. We will move on to Falcons at Saints, where Matt will find another way to throw some salt on a wound I didn't even know I had. 
You like Calvin Ridley in this game. <laughs> yeah, you're going to pick that apart? No, I like that. I like that call. I do like Calvin Ridley in this game. The Saints defense has been much better. I don't like Devonta Freeman, and I feel like I have been trying to hype Devonta Freeman all season. We don't know if Ito Smith is going to be back. I feel like he might play. It's not 100%. I've heard con- conflicting reports of you as well. Uh-huh. Do you hate yourself enough to play Freeman at $13 in Daily Fantasy? No. Because I almost do. Mm-mm, there are better values, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But the Saints' run defense has been very good. Now, traditionally, Devonta Freeman has been a player who can beat them surprisingly but with Ito Smith back I just don't think the volume is going to be there and, and I don't like the matchup and this is just a different Falcon squad Matt Ryan is expected to play so I mean I was going to say that that's a boost although Matt Schaub uh, my my friend colleague here Matt Harmon called uh, Matt Ryan a system quarterback as evidenced by it's what Matt Schaub was able to do it's just a joke. No, you should definitely add him about it's it just a joke it's I mean joke. I don't care you want to please you 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 few Falcons fans out there have something to chirp about I'll give you some life you can you can be mad at me since your team is a walking nightmare the matchup to watch is Julio Jones and Marshawn Lattimore I think that's going to loosen Calvin Ridley up we've seen him get loosened up and then uh, Lattimore try to move from Julio to Ridley basically I just don't know if there's enough to both of these receivers are so dynamic I just don't know if there's enough in the Saints secondary to contain the both of them. Um, they might try to bracket Julio and put Lattimore on Ridley, but I, I mean, that's a, that's a lot. I don't know. Also, with Sanu being in New England now, I think the volume for Ridley opens up, so I think he's in a great spot on the Saints side of things. The biggest conundrum is obviously Alvin Kamara coming back or expected to come back, but has Latavius Murray earned himself a larger role, similarly to the situation we were talking about in Arizona. I don't think Murray is, quote, going away. And why wouldn't you want to keep Kamara fresh, especially since you're trying to make a Super Bowl run? Well, I mean, let's, James Rodé's uh, fantasy team certainly hopes that Alvin Kamara— It is our <laughs> fantasy team, and I'm really—I mean, I would really like that my analysis to not be correct— the amount of texts I get all the time. I hear you. Um, James. I think it, the first glimpse that we saw of these two together with Drew Brees was one game. And part of this game in week two against the Rams, Murray was like an afterthought. I mean, he scored a touchdown, mm-hmm. but like he wasn't getting any work, wasn't really playing a lot of snaps. So I think you can ease Kamara back in with some Latavius Murray mm-hmm. and then get Kamara cooking for the playoffs and the late season run. So, yes, I'm right. So I think you're right, but I mean, who? But it doesn't matter because like you're gonna play all these guys against the friggin' Falcons. Well, I think it matters because you need to set your expectations. You're not assuming Kamara is gonna put up top three production, and so when you Probably do have six not. teams on a buy and you're looking at that flex spot, you're gonna have to throw a dart for a higher upside player instead of moving to a floor player. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And how about Jared Cook coming back in this game to save uh, the tight end position? Yeah, it's great. Not excited. I mean, no. He'd started to get rolling with Teddy Bridgewater late there, and now Drew Brees is back. I think Ted Ginn is more interesting. You think? I thought you like basically wanted to throw me out of the building when I suggested Ted Ginn earlier. I do think Ted Ginn is interesting with Drew Brees back under center and facing a Falcons defense that is real bad against wide receivers. Mm-hmm. The worst. So again, so if you are looking for a dart throw, I mean. You know, this this matchup has, I believe, the second highest over-under for the week. So this is a, a matchup you're going to want to target. Good old-fashioned NFC South showdown, as the kids say. rolled past it. What is the over? 51. 51. Oh, this is real. Okay. Rams at Steelers, Matt. Here's a hot take. You think Steelers are going to lose? I've, no. Wow. I think they're going to get smashed because 
Mason Rudolph, as I said on last week's podcast, ain't it. He's bad. He only wants to check down. James Connors out here, so this will just lead to more bunny receptions for Jalen Samuels. Ragu, by the way, brought us that Connor tidbit. Thank you, Ragu. He's the second man who's producing over here, who's it, the one I mentioned. I was going to say, if you've been waiting <laughs> to find out who the other man in the room is, now you know. Uh, welcome to the Yahoo welcome to the podcast family. family. Ragu, thanks for the Connor nug. <laughs> All those. And he doesn't even have a mic, so he can't say Benny anything. Benny Snell, by the way, also out for this game. Bummer. Oh. Damn. Listen. And some of us are right with our picks, Matt. Sometimes. And other and then other times they just don't play. Snell you later. You hern to see it. Hern. Oh! <laughs> who would you are you is your is your uh, glowing Steelers analysis over yet? Or oh, I was just gonna say I think this is a this is just a brutal spot for all your Steelers. I, I'm not I don't want to play anyone in this matchup because also, by the way, Clay Matthews back at practice for the Rams. He's he was a pretty important piece early on for the Rams on defense the first few weeks before he broke his damn jaw. So that could be quite a uh, a lift. And I think Mason Rudolph is just one of the – he's just he's terrible under pressure. He has no real pocket feel at all. I, I think the Steelers lose by – I mean, they're only they're, – they're, they're, it's at home, so that is pretty key. But And three and a half points at home isn't much, but that is what they're favored by. I think they lose this game straight up, and I think it's gonna, it could be by a full touchdown. I will say that if I am going to take a flyer on anyone, it is going to be Deontay Johnson, who I do think could get himself loose. You know, the assumption is, like, you hear about Jalen Ramsey, but, like, I, I'm going to imagine that Jalen Ramsey matches up mostly against Juju. Yeah, I guess, but, like— if And they, then James Washington has Nicole Roby Coleman— but th- it just depends on where they're going to line these guys up with, yeah. right? Because Coleman is a natural slot guy. Mm-hmm. He would theoretically match up with Juju if they push him inside. Ramsey has shown that he can travel inside a decent amount. I don't know. That's it's going to that's going to be an interesting coverage alignment. But I just wouldn't. I am lowering my expectations on Juju quite a bit in this game. Absolutely. He's yet to see double digit targets at any in any game because the quarterback just wants to throw to the. Tight end hybrid running back well, guy. And all that he played in college with. You're talking about James Washington? I was talking about Jalen Samuels. Jalen Samuels. Oh, um, please. James Washington's not doing He's not getting he's, any targets. He's the worst. But Deontay Johnson. But that that is why I like Deontay Johnson. Because yeah. remember, our issue, we I thought, I'm not going to put that badness on you. I'm not going to put that ugly on you. But we I thought that De- uh, Dante Moncrief might oh. have a role in this offense because he was, and obviously, you know, this was before Big Ben was hurt and all of that, um, but because he was the large outside receiver with the big catch radius who, you know, catch radius is funny because you have to catch the ball. But Deontay Johnson has actually been that guy. And so I do think if Rudolph is going to heave it up and get lucky and Troy Hill happens to be the coverage for Deontay Johnson, it's not going to be a huge volume, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him like, I don't know, bring down four balls for 48 yards and a touchdown. I like that. I can't believe we didn't cover this up top at the news, but you know Dante Moncrief. You know where he's playing now. I saw that, and I'm not remembering right now. Who, where? The Carolina Panthers. <laughs> oh, that's right. I knew it was one of our team. <laughs> well, I'm a lifelong 49ers fan in 2019. I have no real connection with the Carolina Panthers. Thank you very much. My official statement has been read. Also, where do the Steelers struggle the most in pass coverage? Middle. Middle of the field. Slot. I think Cooper Cup's There's in line Cooper for Cup another smash. smash spot game here. 
I've heard a lot of people, and this is again like all the sleepers on football Twitter. What football Twitter are you a part of where we're talking about Kalen Balage and goddamn the people's one, Matt? Like I don't I don't condescend to uh the the masses. I mean I, I'm I interested in what they have to say. I just haven't I you must be a part of a different masses. I don't I have don't... as many graphs on my Twitter feed as you do. What can no, I say? I'm, I'm a little tired of the graphs, to be honest. Some of these some of these graphs need to be Brandon Cooks is out. He's got a lot of concussions. Josh Reynolds, a lot of people are assuming, will fill that role. I disagree. Would rather have Gerald Everett, who has a surprisingly low ownership percentage, and I think is in a great spot this week as well. I would agree with you on that. Okay. Do you want to say anything else maybe about Todd Gurley and this muddy backfield? Answer any questions. By the way, uh, Gerald Everett, 66% owned. So that's just barely over 50. 16% over 50%, in fact. There you go. Um, I got, I mean, the backfield, you, you know what to expect with Todd Gurley. You don't have any expectations because it changes on a week-to-week basis. Be worth, it'd be interesting to see what they do co- with him coming off by. Steelers run defense is pretty good. Steelers run defense is pretty good, so that's why I don't think, like, you're really going to make that much with Gurley in the run game, maybe as a receiver, but his pass game usage just fluctuated so much. Daryl Henderson played pretty well in London against the Bengals right before we got out but of there. But Malcolm Brown is expected back yep. this week. Yep. I just think it's going to be trending towards sort of a three-way split, and that's rough to see. Who would you prefer, Malcolm Brown or Daryl Henderson? Henderson. Agreed. Just wanted to clarify it. Let's talk a little bit of DFS. Matt, give me your—you go first. My bargain this week is uh, DJ Moore at $16 for the Carolina Panthers. He has target totals of 8, 10, 9, and 10 over the last four weeks. Like I mentioned earlier, he had his first 100-yard game of the season. I think he can be that really solid floor play this week, especially against the Packers secondary that's given up a lot of production to wide receivers. We know that they can be beat on the ground, but their secondary struggled a little bit. I think uh, DJ Moore on some of those shorter layup routes, especially considering – the offensive line for Carolina is still in a little bit of flux. Kyle Allen has shown that when he's pressured, he can be slowed down. That could be definitely the situation against the Smith guys for the Packers this week. I like more as a layup receiver this week. Is that your only bargain? Yes. Okay. I have a couple, but we haven't really talked about Kyler Murray specifically and his uh, price tag. I think he is going to be the chalk value play at $28 in Yahoo DFS facing Tampa Bay. Obviously, the Bucks are giving up a ton of passing yards, over 293 on average per week. So that seems to make a lot of sense. Rather, though, than put all of my eggs in the Kyler Murray basket, I like his receiver, Christian Kirk, for all of these similar reasons we already talked about at $16. I think David Montgomery at $20 is also 20 bucks. It's pretty low. And Marlon Mack for 26 not a bargain by any means. But when you look at Christian McCaffrey at 41 Saquon Barkley at 37 Delvin Cook at 35 and then you got to go down to Marlon Mack, who is $11 cheaper than Saquon Barkley, to me that is value, even if it's not necessarily a quote bargain. Do you like Marlon Mack at 26 or Mark Ingram at 25 better? I like Marlon Mack at 26 because Mark Ingram could be vultured by Gus Edwards and or his quarterback. And last week, we even saw Justice Hill getting a little bit involved. Liz, congratulations. You answered correctly. Oh, thank you, Matt. I'm so glad I passed your test. (laughs) Who are your fades? I talked about Juju, and I would also say that I'm going to be advising to be a little less overweight compared to the rest of the field on the Tampa Bay uh, side just because, uh, you know, the quarterback James Winston gave me a break. 
I'd say Julio Jones at 30 bucks at New Orleans. I would rather have Calvin Ridley at 21. Again, we talked about the Lattimore coverage. So to me, because of the cost, Julio Jones is a fade. And Matt talked about Cooper Cup, who's in a smash spot and the same price as Julio Jones. I think Julio Jones is getting a little bit of bump because Jerry Rice said he was the best receiver in the NFL. And <laughs> Jerry you know. Rice, move the needle, baby. As possible. All right, that is going to do the show for us this week. We'll be back Sunday night with our Week 10 recap. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We're out. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.